This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Thank you very much, Mitzvah Hashem. We'd like to welcome TorahAnytime.com. We've had over the of unbelievable reaction. I wasn't, able to, I wasn't here for four weeks, but I hear that all over the internet they were going to see my shirim anyway. So it's absolutely amazing. I want to thank them very much. I want to thank Carl Lushman very much. And for all those this month of Shabbos who will come to see this year, I'd like to thank you very much. And enjoy it. Okay. So, we missed Pasha's Bereshis, because uh, Yontif went right into Shabbos Bereshis. So tonight we're going to have a sort of a mixture between Bereshis and Noach together. This week's Pasha's Pasha's Noach. Okay. I've never given this year before, so it's not, What? Don't get nervous. It's just for the movie camera. <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> From that, everyone said to me, you're on here, you have to come with some sparring, so... All right, I forgot to do my time. My wife's going to be upset. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I didn't shave. I forgot. I forgot about the camera. Okay. I'd like to apologize to all you as much as Shabbos. I didn't shave, and I'm not dressed correctly, but next week, Mitzvah Shem. It'll be Kujin. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about Bereshis. Okay. So, on the second day of creation, um, it did not say, it did not say, that Hashem saw Kitaiv because there was a separation between the waters and the waters. On the first day, it does say Kitaiv. What happened on the first day? So there was, when Hashem created the world, it was sort of brown outside. It was light and dark mixed together. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a separation. Made a separation between the Or and the Choshech. Right? And what does it say? It says, So I don't understand. The second day doesn't say, Because Hashem separated the waters. On the first day it says, And it says, So how come there was a Kitoiv here? Good question, no? So the answer is because the separation of the R, it's, 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 I'm not going to go into the whole deepness of the answer, but the R that was separated was the R Haganus, was a special R that underneath this light, this sun, nobody would die, nothing got old, nothing uh, decomposed, and um, therefore it was, it was a light of bracha, therefore it was, it, it was kitav. But what happened on that day, something very important to understand, that there's a physical light and dark, and this is what my whole share is based on tonight. And there is a spiritual light and dark. And the most important thing for everyone in this room is to separate the light and the dark. Is to know what is right and what is wrong. And we're going to see how the world from this point of the first day of creation, how it totally fell apart because... The Nachash got us to eat from the Eitz Hadas, and the good and the bad got mixed together. Well, we'll look in the Pesukim, and we'll see what happens. So, so we see that at this point, everything is good. Light and dark was separated. What happens? What happens? So we go a little bit further, and let's go to the Nachash. Now, the first question is, how did the Nachash, the snake, get into Gan Eden? It says mm, that Hashem took Adam 
and put him in Ganeiden, nothing and nobody else. So how did the Nachash get into Ganeiden? No, nobody was in Ganeiden except Adam and Chava. So, let's see where it says that he put him in. Oh, perfect. Hashem created him from the ground. Hashem blew into his nostrils on the Shama. He became alive. What happened? Hashem took him and planted him, put him in Ganeiden. That's it. Father says he put Adam into Ganeiden that he created. So the whole story that we have in Barashi is about the snake, and he's talking to Chava by the tree. The tree was in the middle of Ganeiden. You should ask the question, how did the snake get into Ganeiden? It says very, very openly in the passage that the only one that was in Ganeiden was Adam. And then Chava, which he created from Adam. So how did he get in? So what happened, interesting story that's brought down in the Medrash, is that Adam wanted a servant. So the only animal that spoke, that had deep, that was able to speak, and that's why he was called Aram, was the Nachash. So Adam picked the Nachash to be his servant. So he brought him into Ganadin. He brought his own downfall, which we all, that's, we all shoot ourselves in the leg. He brought him into Ganadin. Now, when he brought the Nachash into Ganadin, the Nachash had to scheme on how he came into Ganadin. All the animals were stuck outside in the world. He came into Ghana with these unbelievable trees and this unbelievable world, the, Ghana, the world of Ghana then, and he had to scheme in a way of how is, he, how is the slave going to take over the master. So he figured, this is how the Nachash figured, he figured if she eats from this tree, she gives to him to eat from the tree, they're both going to die, I'm going to be the only one left, I'm the third, in, I'm Aram, I'm like a human, I can speak, so Hashem's going to have to give me Ghana then. So his whole scheme here was to get Ganeiden. It also says to get her. He wanted to get Chava also. But this was a scheming, jealous snake. And who brought him into Ganeiden? That he should be jealous? Adam. Adam brought him in as a servant. Now, let, let's see, let's see what happens. So, listen carefully. Let me show you how jealousy, the power of jealousy. So, so Chava's created, right? And this is what happens. Little discussion. He said to the woman, right? Is it true that a God told you you're not allowed to eat any, from any trees in Ghana then? He opened the discussion. Okay? The snake, you know, the snake, the beginning of an adulterous relationship, a divorce, a guy and girl situation, all the tumma in the world, the opening of it is. A discussion. When he came to Chava and said to her, right? He asked her a question. He came to her, he asked her a question. Very innocent question. He said, Is it true that God said you can't eat from any of the trees? She should have said to him, What are you asking me? Ask my husband. What are you talking to the Nachash for? Right? The minute she answered him back, she was done. There are many girls out there that trap boys in the workplace. Many guys that are religious guys that end up with non-Jewish girls with doing terrible averis begins with a very innocent question. Could you explain to me those strings that you're wearing? Like, what's that all about? Very innocent question. I work with Goyim and they want to know what my tzitzes are. Rabbi Walsing, why shouldn't I tell her? Right? That's what happened with the Nachash. You should say, if you're interested, you can go online 
If you're interested, there are rabbis, if you want to convert, I don't really think it's for me to talk to you about this. Now, oh, but oh, yes, I was going to come say, oh, this is why the Jews, the Goyim, don't hate us. That's why there was a Holocaust. That's what you're doing. And that's what, he's, that's what he said to her. And I, I'm, going to, I'm going to show you exactly how in real life how it works. That's the Nachash. Nachash is a discussion. Just a discussion. Hi, what school do you go to? And you're like, hey, I can talk, talk about that. And then it leads to one thing, another thing, and it sits, and then she wants to know about this, and about that religion, and about this part. And, you know, we really can't talk about it in the office, because, you know, the guy's watching, the, maybe lunchtime, we can go to lunch, you can tell me more about Judaism, I have a, I have a Jewish uncle, I have, you know, yeah, yeah, I know all the stories, they all come to my, they all end up in my, not all in my den, but in, in, they, they all end up, and this is what happens. So the number one answer is, your red flag has to go up and say, I have no reason to be talking to this girl. I have no reason. I'm not marrying her. I'm not married to her. So it's going to lead me down the wrong derech. Now, even though I'm telling you this tonight, right, you're still going to have one million reasons. That's my whole shit tonight. I'm going to blow this apart. You're going to have one million reasons why there's nothing wrong with it. You're going to tell me, Rabbi Wallstein, you did that when you were my age, there was nothing wrong with it. You're going to give me a million reasons. You're not going to listen to what I'm telling you. Because you're going to think, the nachash, ah, she's not a nachash. Not every girl is a snake. She's not a snake. She's so nice. She's that. She's much older than me. I would never do anything with her. All the excuses are going to come flying in your head. And the answer is that she should have said, the minute she said, the minute she said that, she was done. She answered him back, and she didn't say, so far, look at this. It's a beautiful, no, no damage, no danger. He said, could you eat from all the jet? She said, no. The priest I got, your information is wrong. You can eat from every tree in, 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 the, in, in Gan Eden. But we pray eight Hashem, but Sechah Gan Amal Kim Loi Sechli Menu Loi Sigu Boy Pentumusin, right? So she didn't have her facts correctly, which was a little bit other, which was her fault. She should have gone and said, "Listen, I wasn't even here when God commanded." Because if you go back in the Chumash, you'll see that God said, "Don't eat from those trees before before she was created." So she didn't even have the information. So she should have said, "I, I was created after this whole thing went down. I wasn't there. The Nachash was there." When Hashem told us because he, he was Adam's servant. Nachash was there. But she wasn't there. So he knew what he was talking about. She had no idea what she was talking about. So when she said back, and you're not allowed to even touch the tree, she said that with a reason. She wasn't stopped just talking. When she said back to him, not only you're not allowed to eat from the tree, you're not allowed to touch the tree, which wasn't true. The Nachash knew God only said you're not allowed to eat from the tree. She thought, this was a mistake by Adam, which, which a husband has to know. When he tells his wife something, he has to... He has to explain it to her. He didn't explain it to her. She thought that there was, the tree was poison. She didn't understand that the tree is not poison. The tree's great. But if you eat from it, God's going to punish you. That's why you're going to die. So she thought that the minute you eat from the tree, you're going to die. It's poison. It's a poison cactus. It's a poison esteric. It's a poison grape. So the Nachash was standing there laughing to himself. He's like, Adam didn't give her any information. Adam told her if you eat from the tree, you're going to die. She thinks that tree's poison. So when I can give her, she can touch the tree. She's going to bite into the thing. She's not going to die because that's not what Hashem said. Hashem said, if you eat the tree, I'm going to punish you that you're going to die. So the minute she said that, he pushed her into the tree. He said, see, your information is wrong. You touched the tree and you didn't die. So the Medrash says, why did she think if you would touch the tree? That Adam never told her. Because the poisonous tree, she thought if you touch a poisonous tree and some of the fruit will leak onto your hands, it will kill you. Poison. He knew the whole time that it wasn't. So he pushed her into the tree. He said, look, nothing happened. Boys, boys. 
How many times did you hear a Rebbe get up and tell you, How many times did you have to be Right? And because it's going to end up, if you're not going to be Shemini you're going to end up somewhere with her you shouldn't be. And the guy says, well, let's, let's find out if the Rebbe's right. So he holds her hand and he goes home. And he says, Rebbe said, Big Avero, nothing happened. I touched her hand and I went home. Exactly like what happened here. Exactly what would happen there. Not realizing, you're not going to drop dead when you touch her hand. If you're not Shemini Gia and she's in Nida, like we learned tonight in the Kavayasha, it's going to bring Tumenti in the Shama. Then you're going to try to learn, you're going to try to dive, and you're not going to be able to. Because every single girl doesn't go to Mikvah, she's in Nida. So you're not going to drop dead. That's not what's going to happen. Guy said to me, Oh, my Rebbe said, Kores. I'm going to sleep with a girl, I'm going to get Kores. I slept with 20 of them. Rabbi, I'm still walking around. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Idiot. The girl is not poison. That's what she thought by the tree. You're going to get punished, you're going to have courage. Now when you touch the girl, you're going to get courage, you're going to drop dead the next morning. There are a lot of people that make this mistake. I'm a Chal Shabbos and I didn't die. Jewish kids, religious kids, they try it out. They try it out, they go home, nobody's watching. They flick on the lights. I'm, I'm dealing with, with, with kids like that. It's not true. It's a bluff. I flipped on the light, I turned on my cell phone. I'm alive. Everything's a bluff. That's the power of the Eight Sahara. Let me tell you what happened. I'll tell you what my whole share is about tonight. Before we ate from the Eight Hadas, we knew Or and Choshech. Look carefully at the Pasik that happened to her, that he said to her. What did he say to her? No. This thing ain't poison. You won't die. Why did Hashem scare you? And tell you that you're going to die? Because God knows that the day that you eat from this tree, your eyes will open. And you will know like God, you will know good and bad. But what he didn't tell her is that when you eat from this tree, you will know good and bad, but you won't know the difference between good and bad. You will know this is good, and you will know this is bad. And what happened? From the beginning of Bereshis, from this beginning of Bereshis, a couple of years later, to the end of the parasha, Hashem says, I'm destroying the world. And the world, so we're going to learn in Parshas Noach, they are sleeping, guys are sleeping with animals. Guys are sleeping, I'll read the Rashi to you, they're sleeping with other guys. The trees are, the apple trees are hanging out with the orange trees. The zebras are having affairs with the hippopotamus. It's not funny. The whole world that God created in Pasha's Voracious, perfect world, where every Bria, every animal was with his animal, and every man was with his wife. In one Pasha, in a span of 900 years, totally the whole world fell apart. Now, we're not, this week is the beginning, so I'm not telling you funny, jokey stories and dancing around. I'm talking very deep tonight. But it's voracious. No, this is, this is deep stuff. Listen carefully. What really happened? By eating from the Eitz Adas, everybody. What really happened? Why would that destroy the world? Why would knowing good and bad destroy the world? That's a very good thing. 
So, so again, why would eating from the Eitz Hadas cause a world to be destroyed? Pashas Noah, Hashem took the whole world that He created, everything, animals, fish, no, well, not fish, because they didn't sin, animals, birds, trees, everything, took the whole world and destroyed it. Because we learned, that we learned good and bad. That's a good thing. This is good, this is bad. That destroys the whole world. Not only that, it says that the world, the water had to be boiling, and the Zayah says it, was, it, it rained for 40 days, and the water had to go over the, the highest mountain. Hashem had to take the world and put it in a mikvah. A mikvah is 40 saw. It had to be, that's why the Torah tells us that the water reached top of the highest Mount Everest. The highest mountain it had to cover. Why does the Torah tell us? Because just like when a man or a woman goes into the mikvah, he can't have one hair sticking out, otherwise he's not Kaddish. Hashem took the whole world, imagine. Earth spinning out there. He took the whole earth and he dumped it in a mikvah. Not only in a mikvah, but in boiling water, he had to kosher the world. So a whole world. The zima of, could you imagine an apple tree with an orange tree? A, a giraffe with a hippopotamus? Can you imagine such a thing? The whole world became so filthy and so dirty that Hashem said, I can't fix it. I can't fix the world. Where it is right now, I have to destroy it. He destroyed the world. Yeah, he put a couple of people and a couple of things in a teva, but the world was totally destroyed. Totally destroyed. Because we ate from a tree and now I know Tyre is good. Pornography is bad. That destroys a world. That builds a world. That builds a world. It doesn't destroy a world. Wrong. Wrong. What was the master plan of the Nachash? What is the master plan, guys, of the Sahara? What other place was totally destroyed? One other place. Stoman Amara. So now we have to look at a lot of Averis. Every Averis that you can imagine. In Canaan, every Averis de Zara, Zima, Every Avera you can imagine, Hashem didn't destroy Canaan. Sedoim got the same punishment as Pashas Nayach. Gofrith, the Melech, destroyed. Nothing can grow. Nothing can come from there. It's salt. It's dead. It's finished. What's the comparison between Sedoim and Pashas Nayach? And the beginning of the world. Okay. It's, it's all one answer. Now, if you look... Well, let, let's go before that. Okay, let's go before that. So... What the Yetzirah put into Chava was he couldn't sell her to do this Avera. He put in what's called jealousy. His whole thing to Chava was that God has something you don't have. That was his sell. In other words, if he just came to Chava and said to her, eat from this tree, it's good, she would not have eaten from it. What he said, if you look at the passage very carefully, is he said to her, why doesn't Hashem want you to eat from it? God has something you don't have. He knows the difference between good and bad. You don't know. So, if you look at the passage, just to show you the power of jealousy, the power of wanting what someone else has, is all of a sudden, in the next passage, what happens? She saw that the tree is good. The tree is good to eat. Two questions. Number one, lady, you're living there hundreds of years. You're walking by this tree all the time, and you never looked at it. Now all of a sudden, woo, check out that stuff. It looks really good to eat. Second of all, what do you mean it looks good to eat? What does that mean? She looked at it and said, oh, 
this fruit is good to taste. You got to taste it to say it's good. You got to bite into it and say, mmm, this is good. You can't see something's good. How can you see it's good? She never ate from the tree before. So how do you know it's good? Maybe it's bitter. Maybe it's disgusting. And the answer is, she never saw it before because she wasn't, she didn't realize that that was something that God had that she didn't have. So now all of a sudden when they said, hey, the guy next door has a Maserati, you understand, you don't have that Maserati, and all of a sudden you become jealous. All of a sudden every morning you walk by, you look at his Maserati, it bothers you. It bothers you. He should have something I don't have. Wait till you see how it comes out in Cain and Evel. But if you don't know that he has it, it doesn't bother you. It's not about you. Even if, even if you're like, I don't need a Maserati. I don't even drive it. I don't have a license. You're 15 years old. The guy next door is 40. Right? You're walking by. You're jealous. What do you mean you're jealous? You don't, you're not even old enough to, have, to drive one. I know, but why should he have one? He's an idiot. Why should he have a Maserati? I don't have a Maserati. He's stupid. I'm so smart. Right? Why? Because oh, you don't. It doesn't bother you until you see that the other person has it. So all of a sudden, when he said that this Eitz Hadas Hashem has something you don't have, all of a sudden her eyes opened up. Right? Her eyes opened up, as the pasuk says. And now she goes, listen to this. So she says, "Oh, it looks good. This looks good." Even though she didn't taste it, it's already good. It's already good because it's somebody somebody else has it. So if I want it, it's already so good. It doesn't have to make any sense. Even if I don't drive, I want it. You understand? A guy could be a musician and he, and he wins an award for music and you're sitting there and you're jealous. You're not a musician. Right? But why does he have to? He, I don't like him. Why does he win? It bothers us. It bothers It's not about us. It's about him. So all of a sudden, this tree looks very good to her. It doesn't matter what it tastes like. It could taste bitter. It doesn't matter. But if I could get it, if something only God has, I want it. Now look at how it turns. So right now it sounds, Kitav, it's good. Right? Then the Pusik says, all of a sudden it became something I need. In the beginning you walk by and say, hey, nice car, nice house. You know? It's not, Rabbi, I didn't do anything wrong. I just said what he has is nice. The Torah is telling you, yeah, wait till the next step. The next step is, it becomes something I must have. Time is a lust. I need to have this. My friend has it, I need to have it. Then it gets even worse. So you still, you know you're a low life. You know your low life. Your friend just got that new chocolate or whatever, that new phone, right? And you say, hey, let me see that. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, I wish I had his phone. And you're going home, you're like, man, I'm not a nice guy. You know, he's my friend. Why do I want his phone, right? Maybe I could trick him. I could play cards and give him a poker. Maybe I'll win it. I'll get the phone away from him, you know? And then you go home, you feel pretty rotten. Like, you know, I'm his friend. Why would I do something like that, right? So what does the puzzle say? Yeah, then comes the next part, the nechmad. Nechmad is uh, something that's nice. There's nothing wrong with wanting. It's not a taiva. You know, in Hebrew they call it, you know, nechmad, you know, uh, it's pretty, it's nice. So, when it's a taiva, it's like, oh, I'm lustful, I'm bad. But soon it's not, I'm not even bad. Like, why should he have it? He probably wants me to have it. You know, I'm his friend. Why should he have it? So all of a sudden it becomes nechmad. Right? The nechmad hates. And then vatikach material. Once it becomes nechmad and your conscience doesn't bother you, then you're going to take it from him. When it, First, it's like, hey, that's nice. You know, I wish I could have one like that. But, you know, that's okay. I'm not to feel like that. And then it's like, whoa, I've got to get that. And then it's like, there's nothing wrong with me getting it. And then it's like, I'm going to get it. And he takes it. And this is exactly, it's unbelievable because it's exactly what happened. And this is how he got her. And, her, and it came from jealousy. So then, she took it and she ran to her husband, my favorite Rashi. She ran to her husband and she gave him to eat from it. 
Says Rashi, what's going on over here? They don't like this when I say this in a grill share. What, what, what happened over here? Why is she giving to me eating the tree? She just, she became like God. She knows good from, right? Everyone wants to be God. So now she's God. He's a nobody. She knows good and bad. He's walking around all day. Yeah, everything's great. Yeah, that was a good chillant. Oh, you look beautiful. Oh, you're the best wife I ever had. Because at that point, he didn't eat from the Etzadas, and he only knew good. So why would she mess this up and give him from the Etzadas? She's godly, and he's a lawyer, he's nobody. He's a robot. She's the boss. And she ran, and she said, no, no, eat, eat, eat. Why? So Rashi has an insight here. Don't, don't learn this with your girlfriend or your wife, because they don't like this, Rashi. And Rashi says the following. I don't mean girlfriend, we don't have girlfriends. I mean someone you're engaged to, Kala, Kala, I'm sorry, take that back. Take that back, uh, everybody, Kala, not your girlfriend. Okay, we don't have girlfriends. So, listen carefully. Listen to Rashi. Why is she giving this to her husband? Shaloi Thomas he. She said, now that I ate from the tree, they said, I'm going to die. There's no way that I'm going to die and he's going to stay alive. You hear this? Rashi says. Now, this is his loving wife that was created from him, right? Chava in Kochai. And she is poisoning him. She's killing him. She knows that she's giving him from a tree that's going to cause death, right? And she's saying, now that I ate from it and I'm going to die, he's going to live forever? Uh uh-uh. uh. Jealousy. The Aveira, the first Aveira was based in jealousy. So even though this was her husband who she loved so much, if she's dying, he's dying with her. Says Rashi, what's up with that? Why would she be like that, that she's willing to kill her husband? Says Rashi, no, Thomas, he that she didn't want to die, that he should live. Why? She said, there's no way that I'm going to die and he's going to stay alive and he's going to marry someone else. And the question is, Chava, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? There is no one else! You're the only woman in the world! What are you worried about? If you die, he's going to die a bachelor! It's not going to be so bad, he's not going to get anybody else. And the terror is that when a person is jealous, there's no logic. So, even though there was no, listen to this, you're not talking about some, some blonde girl, you know, with, you know, walking around the street, what world am I in? <coughs> Nothing against blondes, it's just a joke. But, <laughs> what, what are we talking about? We're talking about Chava. We're talking about a woman that was created with Hashem's hands, on the highest level. The highest level. She's worried that he's going to marry someone else. Who? And the answer is that when you, the Aveira that she did was based in jealousy. And jealousy makes no sense. It makes no sense. So there doesn't even have to be another one. But you're not going to live. Because maybe God will make another one. Or maybe you run off with I don't know what. You got to die. I'm dying. You got to die. It's a, a very heavy Rashi. But it's a very true Rashi. That's how a person from jealousy can stoop so low that, that even though the other person it doesn't make sense doesn't matter and Lashon Hara and Geneva and most of the Averis that we do are based on seeing that someone else has something or is getting something that I'm not getting and I'm going to take him or her down because they're not going to have a good life if I'm not going to have a good life even though what does your life have to do with their life doesn't have to make sense this is what happened. The first Avera that's in us, that's in our, our souls, that's in this world, 
It was the Avera of jealousy. What happens right after this? She has children. They're Cain and Hevel. What happens? Cain kills Hevel. Why does he kill Hevel? Because he was jealous. Now take a look, just to see. Look what happens with Cain and Hevel. Now I want to say something. I, I don't have time to talk about it tonight. It's, it's my subject of spiritual DNA. It's a very important subject. Spiritual DNA means that anything that any Avera that any of us do affects our children. And therefore, the way we act, you know, guys, eh, I did this, I did that, eh, right, it's not, I'm going to do chuba. You should know that it's a DNA in your soul. And when you have children, it goes into them. So if you, if you had problems when you were young and you were able to overcome them, right? Some girl was texting you and you said, no, I'm not talking to girls. Your son is going to have the same problem and he's going to be able to win. He's going to be, and, and the guy's going to say, I understand, why don't, you have, why don't you talk to girls? And he's going to say, I don't know. I don't have a Yitzhahara for it. What do you mean he doesn't have a Yitzhahara for it? What does that mean? Or, or everyone's playing poker and this guy's like, I'm not interested. Why isn't he interested? He's not human? And the answer is because his father beat it. So his father put in his DNA, just like his eyes and the color of his hair and his body weight and everything else comes from his mother and father, his soul comes from his mother and father. So if he was able, if, it's, if you beat the Sahara, your child, you'll make it easier. And if you fall, your child will fall. Or you're going to put him in a position that's much, much, much harder. He can win, and I'm going to tell you a Rashi. He can overcome it. But he's going to fall. And I, had a, and I had a whole discussion the last two days, something that was bothering me. And, and I, I, I'm not going to give you an answer, but I'm just going to give you, a, I know I'm dropping a lot of heavy stuff on your head tonight, but it's just to give you something to think about. It's four weeks that I'm thinking, and I don't know what to talk to, so you're, gonna have to, you're just going to have to put up with it. There's a thing, Paiket Oven Ovois Abunim, Abunay Abunim, Al Shilashim Varibayim, that four generations pay for their father's sins. Your children? your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and your great-great-grandchildren. Now, a father never pays for his children's sins. It only works in that direction. Because there's no DNA going the other way. Simple. A, a child looks like his father. His father doesn't look like his child. So, no. It comes from the father down. Not from up. But it, it's coming from this generation, this generation. It doesn't go this way. Avera is the same thing. Avera, a father never gets punished. He, he, says, he says, I'm free at 13 years old. Have a nice day. Right? And he doesn't get punished for his children's Avera. His children can serve Avera. They'll never punish them. But the father says Avera. Children will suffer. It's You know, I tried to tell that to some guys this summer. When they were messing around, I said, man, forget about you. What about your children, your grandchildren? But we'll, we'll talk about why people don't listen. Because they don't understand, they don't listen. But we'll get to that. But so it bothered me. Like I'm dealing with a lot of kids, and I'm like, I know why they're suffering because I know what I know what their parents are about. And I'm like, how does this work, God? Like because this guy's a low life, so now his kid's suffering. What does it mean Hashem punishes? What's the deal? In other words, what did this guy do wrong? What did this little Chaim will do wrong? Because because his father was uh, messing around. Now he he's 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 going through all these terrible things in life. It's not fair. It's a low fear. Right? We all have that thought in our head. So, so how do you punish a grandchild because his father was a low life? So this, let me, let me go, go into this a little bit. So there's DNA. There's DNA. You can't say, why do I have blonde hair? Because my father has blonde hair. Right? But I didn't want blonde hair. I wanted to be blonde with red hair. Too bad. You don't have a choice. It's a consequence. DNA is a finite thing. Not something that's, that's a theory. It's not a theory. It's a finite thing. So black person, marries a black woman, he has a black child. Now the black child can't say, it's not fair, I want it to be white. Or, or, or vice versa. The white child can't say, I want it to be black. 
why not? Why not? Because in the physical world, DNA is finite. You can't play with that. You can't, you can't, a little bit they're trying to, but you can't really, you can't really change that. A goat is a goat. Right? You can, whatever, they make another goat from it, but they can never make an, they can clone a goat from it, but they can't clone an elephant from it. Because the DNA of a goat is a goat. And therefore you can't make an elephant from it. So, just like in the physical world, there's DNA, in the spiritual world there's DNA. So it's not a punishment for this child. It's a consequence. I still don't think that's fair. Okay, it's a consequence. Bottom line, drug addict woman gets pregnant, her child's born, it needs meth. It needs methadone when it's born. You don't give it meth, it's dead. Bottom line. Bottom line, it says on the bottle, if you take this antibiotic, your child will be, will be born without hands. Child's born without hands, the child didn't do nothing wrong. The mother didn't listen, she took that medicine. Deformed child. That's the bottom line. It's a consequence. If a, if a, if a diabetic drinks Coca-Cola and sugar and has a diabetic shock, it's not a punishment. Oh, we're punishing you for drinking Coca-Cola. No, it's a consequence. If you go into the highway at 80 miles an hour and you personally confront a car on the highway and it hits you, you're dead. That's not a punishment. The guy in the car is not punishing you. It's a consequence. So nobody will say it's not fair that a car hitting a human, right? But Lamaisa, it still bothers me. Fine. But why this child to those parents? Why this child to those parents? So the answer is that that child, that neshama that was given to that parents, I know, I know I'm, I'm making you crazy here tonight. Listen carefully. That child that was given to that parents, being that there's no time in Shemayim, and Hashem knows what that parent is going to do, therefore the neshama that's put into that child is a, chi- is a neshama that has to go through what that child is going through. So it's a consequence, but even in the consequence, Hashem has, has chesed, and He's giving the consequence to a neshama that needs that consequence in order for it to reach its tikkun. I don't know if you followed me, if you didn't, too bad. But that's, that's you understand what I'm saying? So therefore, so therefore, person, this is even worse, person who doesn't have veira, right? Even though it's going to be a ticket for that child, that child's going to suffer, it's going to come from him, he's going to suffer. When that child suffers, he suffers. That's his choice. So the, a person's DNA, so when she ate from the Eitz Hadas, and she ate it because she was jealous, she put into Cain such a jealousy that he was willing to kill his brother. Now, you have to look very carefully at what happened there. Because, so you'll say to me, okay, Rabbi Watson, what do you want from me? So, so my, my, my grandfather, I don't know him, my great-grandfather, he did all kinds of sins, so I'm off the derech, so leave me alone. Well, what are you bothering me for? I can't break the DNA. How can you break DNA? You can't break DNA. Right? Well, let me tell you that you can break DNA, and it's a posik in the Torah, that you can break DNA. And it says the following, listen carefully. When Cain came to, to Hevel, it says like this. Kayan brought a carbon made out of, he gave, he, he burnt his worst vegetables. Whatever he was going to throw in the garbage, that's what he brought to Hashem. Hevel, he brought from his sheep, he brought the fattest, those delicious, best, right, that's sign. Hashem said, let me teach you a lesson in tzedakah. Tzedakah, you don't give your zibur, you don't give your worst, you give your best. So I'm not accepting Kayan's carbon, but I'm accepting Hevel's carbon. Okay. What happens? Like today, nothing changed in the world. Nothing changed. Well, Hashem didn't take his carbon. He got very angry. 
he became depressed. Became depressed. Hashem didn't take my carbon. That's it. I'm done. The rabbi didn't smile at me. Have a good day, everybody. Right? I'm done. I'm not going to do better. Right? What he should have done is said, God didn't take my carbon. Let me go get my best tomatoes, my best vegetables, and let me bring him another one. No, no, no. Let's get depressed. Right? But you upon him. Hashem Hashem's a therapist. And Hashem says to Kayan, What are you getting so angry about? What are you getting depressed about? How I am tainted, says, if it's if you do good, I'll accept it. If you don't want to do good, it's because the Yitzhar is sitting there and he wants you to do bad. Okay, but I want you to know, he's going to come and try to bother you. But Atatimshol boy, where you have the power to break the DNA, you can be his master. What Hashem is saying is what I have been saying in this year for seven and a half years. Stop feeling sorry about yourself. Stop. I'm not accepted. I'm not this. I'm not that. Hashem said, so? So you're going to get depressed and pop some pills and do some drugs and act like a sugar and go off the derech and make everyone crazy and get attention and, and, and that's what you're going to do? Then you're, then you're very silly because you're not doing the right thing. Hashem is saying, get up! You can be the boss. You run your own life. Stop fetching. Stop sleeping till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Stop feeling sorry about yourself. And you can do it. You can break, break the DNA. So it's, it's, it's homage. I'm not telling you medrash here. Right? Says Rashi, who translates it, right? In Pazig Zion. Pazig Zion. Anyone who came here to get pity, it's the wrong address. You're not getting it from me. And he says, If you want, Tis Gabarolov, says the Gemara in Kedushin. You can be the Yitzhahara if you want. Right? Great therapist, God. Tells him, get up! So you, so you messed up. No. Guys come to me and say, Rabbi, you know, I fell. I'm done. It's over. One of the, he's not here right now. One of the guys always, always tells me, it's over. It's finished. I'm done. I had it. It's gone. I'm done. I can't do it. can't do it anymore. Yeah, it was good for three weeks. I'm not good anymore. I'm done. No more minion. No more tool. No more. I'm done. Exactly like Cain. I'm done. I'm like, no. You, what are you done? Get up. Fight the Yetzirah. You, you can beat him. You can change your whole DNA. So what happens? So now this is God talking to him. So you'd think, he's not stupid. He'll go to his garden, get a couple of good tomatoes, get some nice peaches, get some, you're, you're right, he's a farmer, and bring a carbon to Hashem and say, you're right, I can do this. I'm the man, right? What happens? Next person. I guess the therapy didn't work. He tells his brother, we don't know what he tells him, they're in the field together. We get somebody, kills him. Oh, God, that was a good therapy session you had with him. You really got him to change. He got up and murdered his brother. What happened? What happened? So the Medrash says, what was this? What was this? The Pasuk doesn't tell us what he told him. He told him something, but we don't know what he told him. It just says, He said something to his brother, and then when they were in the field, he killed him. The Torah tells us he said something, but the Torah doesn't tell us what he said. So the Medrash tells us what he said. He picked a fight with him. He picked a fight with him, and after he picked a fight, and they were fighting, so he had an excuse. Oh, you said that about me? Ha ha! And he killed him. So let me ask everyone in the room, why do you have to pick a fight with him? If you want to kill him, kill him. Take him in the field and kill him. So this is my Chabura. 
This is what happened by the Eitz Hadas. This is the danger. This is how bad and good can destroy the world. What happened by the Eitz Hadas is that Chava learned that there's good and bad and you can mix them. Not by Yavdel Ben Toiv but there's good and bad and you can make bad good and you can make good bad. And what happened here was that a person, the world wouldn't have been destroyed. When you know you're doing something wrong, you can do tshuva. But when you start translating it and you're doing something wrong and you translate it, it's not bad, it's good. It's finished. You can never do tshuva. Kayin knew that killing heaven was bad. So he had to make it good. So he got into an argument. We had an argument. I lost my temper. It wasn't my fault. I killed him. So he couldn't go and just kill him. Because if he would have just got to kill him, he would have have felt he wouldn't have done it. He said, let me get into a good fight. Let's get into a verbal fight. And then I'll kill him. And that's what happened to the whole world. At the end of Pasha's liberation, before Pasha's Noyach, the world began to mix good and bad. And they had a psychology. And the psychology was that if God gave it to me, I can use it any way I want. And they started getting physical with things they weren't supposed to get physical. They started stealing from all. We're going to see the last I bear. They started stealing. They started serving. They started doing whatever they wanted. I have life. It's mine. And they came up with a religion, with a religion of things that were bad that they made into good. Who else did that? Only one other place ever did that. And that was Shadim. Shadim was an extremely prosperous place. Shadim had a psychology. Shadim, they weren't bad people. Their psychology was that if God made somebody poor... You're not allowed to interfere. If God didn't want him to be poor, he wouldn't be poor. So if you give money to a poor person, you are anti-God. You don't believe in God. You're not bikiris. If someone's starving and you give them to eat, you're, you're a hypocrite. You, you need to punishable by death. Because God wants him to starve, and you come along and interfere, so you're saying that God doesn't run the world. You run the world. Apikiris. They had an unbelievable psychology. You're not Bikiris. You're not allowed to help anybody. If you help somebody, it means you don't believe in God. And Abraham Avinu saw this. And Abraham Avinu said to Hashem, are there 50 people that are tzaddikim? Are there 50 people that have their heads on straight and know that this is, this is not true? And Hashem said no. And 40, 30, 30, 20, came to 10, he said no. He said, if there's not 10 people, then this is a religion. They're never going to do tshuva. Sadaim can't do tshuva because they believe in what they're doing. So if they believe in what they're doing, they're never going to change. And that's what happened over here. The whole world became Hamas, actually believed in what they're doing. And there's a fantastic Gemara and a fantastic Rashi that proves what I'm saying. Listen to what the Avera that brings out a Chazal. What was the Avera that Hashem finally said? Sunito. So Rashi says, Gezel. Stealing. They were messing around with everything. They were serving Avodah Zarah, right? They were killing people. And Hashem destroyed them, says Rashi, because of stealing. Stealing is an everyday thing. Says the Gemara, says Chazal, they weren't stealing. The law is that if you steal something that's worth more than a penny, you're a god if you have to pay it back. They went to the, to the, far, they went to the farm, right? Like if you went to the fruit store, 
80 guys piled into the fruit store. Each guy ate one grape. Just the says this. Each one ate one grape. The store owner couldn't do anything because it's less than a shovel fruit. It's not worth a penny. So they ended up eating all his grapes without paying for any of them. And you couldn't take them to court because it wasn't worth a penny. They were brilliant. They figured out how to make something wrong right. When Hashem saw that, Hashem said, Avay Dezara, I can deal with. Killing people, I can deal with. Sleeping with animals, I can deal with. Yeah, I can deal with it because they know they're wrong. They'll do tshuva. Okay, so they'll do tshuva. But now when they started this business of stealing less than a shavu pruta and making it right, Hashem said, wipe off the whole world. It's finished. The world's finished. They're never going to do tshuva. We can't fix this. New world, finished. It's over. Same thing happened by Stein. And that's what's happening in our world today. Exactly the same thing. Nudity is art. Exactly. Yitzhara hasn't changed at all. The internet is business. Pro-abortion is a legal right as a democratic United States of America. It's, they want it to be constitutional. Everything that is wrong in our world became art. Filth pornography is an art. Everything is an art. Art is good. Rap music, you could say four-letter words every five seconds. You could say kill and murder and rape and destroy and talk bad about women and about civilization. How could you do that? How could you do that? When I, was in, when I was a kid, if you did that, they locked you up. Why can you do that? Because they called it rap music. Listen to me. It's not a, I'm, not, I'm not talking jokes here. So the minute the Yetzirah put the word music to it, it's kosher. So now, once you have the word music, you can put anything else in front of it. It's kosher. You can have pornography with the worst of the worst of the worst, with children, with the worst filth in the world. Art. You can go to a museum and the walls are full of naked women. By million, multi-million dollar, Monet, Monet, this one, that one, naked women. Right? It's wrong. It's wrong to walk through and watch someone paint naked women. But people every day go to the Museum of Art in New York and pay money and stand there and Google and say, oh my God, that's art. But if you took that same picture and you hung it up in this space medrash, not one of you would walk in. You, you, you burn it down. You burn, you, you, you'd cause the yeshiva. Everybody would scream it. But the same guy, Museum of Art. No problem. It's art. This is what, this is exactly, this is the Kayak of the Sahara. This is exactly what he's selling us. And especially in the United States. And therefore you could read Russian horror because it's news. You could read the worst things about anybody because it's news. You can read the worst magazines, but it's news. And education, you can learn things in college that are filth and that are dirt and that are publicly allowed to, to learn nudity and whatever else that they teach. And you're allowed to, it's class, it's art, it's an art class. I got guys that tell me, I don't got to go to a dirty movie. <laughs> I, I go to my art class in Brooklyn College. And, <laughs> man, forget about it. Who needs a dirty movie? It's art, so it's kosher. So that's what we're doing. That's what the world is doing. The Yetzirah knows that 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 one Abortion. How could you kill a child? How, if, if, you, if you sit down and pull it apart, if it's not, the person wasn't raped, even that's, right, this, this woman got pregnant, accident, no accident, there's a child. How could a, a, a person who's normal get up and say, kill that child? Murderer, right? Pro-life, they, they scream murderer. They are a murderer. But 
democratic, United States, free will, it's kosher. So that's the destruction of the world. So that's where we're going. Yeah, guess what? The world warming up and the ice cap melting? Huh? Yeah, it's happening. It's not a joke. 100%. We're destroying the world. Exactly what happened then. Exactly what happened then. Plants don't grow anymore. Flowers don't smell. Animals are dying off. Bees, this year, I don't know if you even know about this. There's a whole big write-up about it that there's, a, there's a, a, a terrible virus amongst the bees and there are millions and maybe billions of bees that have died from this virus. The, the, the natural world is dying. So they're blaming it on plastic bags and on cars. No, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's not, not, we, we are. We are the world. The world. We are destroying the world just like they did in the times of Adam. Exactly like they did in the time. So how did Noah make it out? What did he have? All these other people were messed up. What did he have? What was his focus? What was Noah's focus that he was able to be the only one? So the Torah says he was it's tzaddik. What's a tzaddik? A tzaddik is a person who is mole, who is full. In other words, tzaddik is a person who's not a fake, who knows good from bad, and from head to toe, he knows the difference between good and bad. That's, that's a tzaddik. He's full. He's, 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 he's not perfect. He doesn't mean perfect. He's mole. He's, he's not missing anything. What does he mean not missing anything? He knows good from bad. He knows the difference between good and bad. We're in such a gray area where we don't know the good from good from bad anymore. Noah was an is tzaddik. He didn't have children for 500 years. And man, did he get it. Here he was walking around. God, 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 God. All you guys, you know, you're destroying the world. You're going to get punished. You know, it's over. Fire, water, you know, getting up there and, 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 and talking publicly. Eh, it's all over, right? And they're like, yeah, so if you're such a big tattic and you got such a big God, I already have 12, 15, 20, 90 kids. You're 500 years old. You still don't have a kid. Where's your God? He got it, by the way. And, and, and Avram Avinu got it that way. So, so Noah took all this from them. It also says that he ran into the base marriage, whatever. He got punished a little bit for that. He took all that from them. And in the end, we see why didn't he have children until he was 500 years old. Who here knows? Why didn't he have children until he was 500 years old? Because right after he had his children, they went into the table. And if he would have had children when he was 100 years old, his children would have died with the rest of the world because they would have been part of the world. So the Medrash says, you want to know why he didn't have children when he was 500 years old? Because for his good. Because if he would have had at 100 years old, they would have been 400 years old, and they would have been like everybody else. So he had the Mamash's kids. When they were little kids, they went in, they went in, they were very young people, they went into the table. So they hadn't gotten off the derech yet. So what was his thing? The whole thing was, look at the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, listen carefully, Ela told us, Noach, Noach is tzaddik. What is a tzaddik? Tomim. He was pure. He was pure. You can be pure black, you can be pure white, and you can be pure blue, and you can be pure green. The most important thing is that you're pure. That you don't mix the white with the black. Because when you mix the white with the black then you can't change anymore. So what is the Torah telling us? What was Noah's koyach? That he was tamim. Straight. Straight. Even if you're bad, straight. Your mom is bad to the bone. But you know you're bad, you'll do tshuva. If you know you're bad, you'll do, and there's some very, I know, some guys were bad to the bone, and I know them very well. And they came around unbelievable. They said, I'm bad. I like doing this. I'm going to do this. I don't care what you say, Rabbi. I'm bad, and I'm having a good time. And I'm like, this kid will be all right. But the kid says to me, eh, come on. It's not so bad. 
you know, I have friends also, eh, that, that. that kid is not doing tshuva. He's not doing tshuva because he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. And how do you know if you're doing something wrong? You have to learn. Otherwise, you don't know if you're doing anything wrong. So therefore, the Torah tells us that he was an ishtamim, eselokim his halach noyach, and he, he followed HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we know, I don't have to go further, we know that Noach went into the Teva, and Noach came out of the Teva, and my favorite Medrash Rab of all time, I will repeat for everyone here tonight, and that's my, alco- my alcoholic um, Medrash, because even Noach, who knew right from wrong, made a mistake. And the mistake he made, the mistake he made, and there's a lot of Medrash on this, there's, there's Yalkut Shimoni, there's Medrash Rabbah, there's Medrash Tanchuma. His mistake that he made was that when he came out of the Teva, right, the first thing he planted was grapes. Why did he plant grapes? Because he wanted wine. Why did he want wine? Because, hello, the whole world was just destroyed. All his friends and all the houses, and imagine your home, and everything's gone. Everything was gone. So I got to get, you know, I got to drink. You know, I got to get out. You know? And that was, that was a very major mistake. Because what happens when you drink? The whole power of Noah was that he saw clearly, the whole power was that he knew the difference between good and bad. When a person drinks, he doesn't know the difference between good and bad anymore. So what happened? What happened? Terrible thing happened. His son got cursed. He got physically very much damaged that he could never have children again. Now, and I'm going to finish with this. Let's just look at, let's look at what happened to Noah. He came out, he built this, 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 this wine. What happened? His son goes in and castrates him. Chum goes in, undresses him and castrates him. And Rashi says, why did he castrate him? Because he said like this. He said he had a swara. He had a swara. Because this is again, do something bad, but I'm not going to do a bad, something bad unless I have a reason. So it's his, his swara was like this. Adam had two kids and one of them killed the other one. Then he had another one. So he, had, he had two kids and there wasn't enough to go around. We're three brothers. And now that his father came out of the Teva, his father wanted to have more children. He said, are you crazy? We're going we're gonna to split our father's inheritance in more than three? I'm going to make sure my father don't have no more kids. And he made sure that his father had no more kids. And of course, he got very, very punished for it. But he didn't do it out of bad. He did it with a svara. I'm doing a good thing. My father doesn't really want more kids. This is not for him. He's an old man. And then we're going to have to share it. This is not good. So he did it with Shane Mitzvah. And that's why he got punished. So that's the whole, and that, that's the, it's the whole parsha. that's the whole thing. And Mitzvah, next week we'll talk about Avram Avinu, the difference. Because you see, what happened here was, Adam's world had to be destroyed. Adam was given everything. Adam did nothing. He came to the world, Hashem gave him the animals, the trees, the woman. He did nothing. He didn't have to go on shotgun line. He didn't have to go to work. He didn't do nothing. That God said, that don't work. Look what happened to the world. Noah. Noah had to do, right? It was a new world. He had to plant. He had to do. But God came to Noah. So God said to Noah, I'm God. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. That didn't last either. What lasted? Next week, Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu found God. It took him 75 years. God didn't whisper to him. No miracles. No, no, no rabbi. No rebbe. 75 years he searched, is there a God in this world? When he finally came to the decision that there was a God, it took him 75 years, God gave him no freebies. Hashem said, Ah! Oh, now you know I exist? Okay, get up. Hashem didn't say, Oh, you found me! 
Paradise, I love you. You know, come to shul. I said, you found me? Okay, out. Leave your father. Leave where you live. Leave your family. Leave everything. That's the reward for finding God? Yes, that's the reward for finding God. We'll talk about that next week. But that's the difference. The three differences. Adam got everything. That didn't work. Noah got a lot. Didn't find Hashem on his own. Also didn't work perfectly. Avram became, became the father of the Jews. Noah's not the father of the Jews. Noah's the father of the world. Because actually, from him came the rest of the world. Adam's world was destroyed. Right? But Avram was called Hamoin Goyim. He was the father of the Goyim. But also, he became the father of Klai because we have his DNA. And that means that anybody in this room, because we have Avram Avinu's DNA that really searches for God, is guaranteed to find him. It won't take you 75 years. Avram Avinu had to put that into our DNA, that every Jew that looks for God will find him. Who put that in our DNA? Not Yitzchak, not Yaakov, not Adam, not, not Noah. Avram Avinu put in us the search. Who created the world? Could it be the sun? Could it be the moon? I'm searching for you, Hashem. That's in our DNA. Everyone brought something to Avram brought something to DNA. Yitzhak and Yaakov, they all brought something to DNA. Avram brought to our DNA that every guy in this room, if you really want to find him, you can find him. He put that in our DNA. But the first thing you need to know is not to mix yourself up. Man, if you're doing the wrong thing, you're doing the wrong thing. Know it. Don't make excuses, but if and what that, that. You see what happened. Kai made excuses. He killed his brother. What's his name? Made excuses. Chum made excuses. He castrated his father. No excuses. Chava made excuses. She made sure that other would never live, would never live longer than her. If you're going to make excuses, Hashem is going to destroy your world because you can't do tshuva. This world that we're in, we all to be, we all need to be noachs. We need to be tamim, good or bad. We need to be tamim. We need to be real. We need to be real. You want to know what the name of this Chaburah tonight is? You need to be real. You want to be real bad? You got to deal with Hashem, the consequence of it. But if you're real bad, and you, and you know you're bad, you'll do tshuva. Because we all have a Jewish neshama. We'll all do tshuva. But when you start making up excuses and stories and why and but and if and that, and it's not, you're finished. The world is going to be destroyed. So, the world will be destroyed. In the end, when Mashiach comes, who's going to be left? The Noachs are going to be left in the Tevas. And each one of us can build our own table. Every one of us can build our own table. This whole world that we're in right now, when a person's born, is a table. Is the actual is an actual uh, base medish that you're sitting in right now. This is a table. I, I went to yeshiva this morning again. I sat in my yeshiva for that hour. I'm in a table. I don't care if the whole world is destroyed. It doesn't make a difference to me. I'm in the base medish with mesechtas brachas. I know you can't understand that. I, you know, I said to my brother this morning. I said, when I was 19, 20. I was running out of the base medrash, right? I was running out of the base medrash to find, to see what's going on, to have, to go into the world. I said, now I'm running into the base medrash to find the world. Just the opposite. I find peace in the base medrash. When I was 19, I found peace on the basketball court. At this age, I find peace. I walk in there, it's just, there's, you can't understand it. I mean, you could. If anyone, go to Avenue R, tomorrow they're starting Shiva. Whatever. Even tomorrow, it's empty. You sit in the base medrash. Open tomorrow. Open any safe. Just sit there. Turn off your phone. Sit there for an hour, and you're going to say, "I exist." No one here knows that they exist. Between your cell phone and your and your iPod and all that garbage that you're talking and you're texting and you're all over the place, you don't even know who you are. You're a phone number. We're all phone numbers. We don't even know who we are. Be scary. Be scary. Like a guy told me, he says, when, when I when I was young and I wanted to go on a honeymoon with my wife, there's a place called Las Cabos. In Mexico. 
So everyone said, Zach, you got to go to Las Cabos. I'm like, what's in Las Cabos? He says, you get this villa, and there's no telephones, no television, nothing. You go to your wife, you bring a book, that's it. You're disconnected from the world. Okay, sounds cool, right? So I called up the travel agent. I said, um, I'd like to, you know, Las Cabos, and there happens to be a minion. It's in, it's in, in, in Mexico, and they have this Svartic Shul, the Hilton, the Marriott. I don't know what it's called. And it's at the bottom of the mountain of Las Cabos. So you can, you can go there on Shabbos. You can stay. It was like, it was like Dream World. So I called, I'll never forget this phone call. I called the travel agent. He says, uh, so why are you going? Why, why do you want to go there? I'm like, what do you mean? Honeymoon? Nothing. Just my wife and me. I can get to talk to her and whatever it is. No phones. They have no phones. Nothing. Nobody can get you. He says, I got to tell you something before you go. I'm like, what? He goes, two things happen when you go to Las Cabos. Either you come back a better couple or you get divorced. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? I thought it's a honeymoon place. He says, listen. This guy told me, this is a travel agent. He says, listen, I got to tell you, I just can't tell you the way it is. He says, you know, you and your wife, you know, you're busy, she's busy, whatever it is, so you spend, what, an hour together talking? He says, in this place, you get to really know each other. You may not really like each other. Right? Because there's nothing else. You get to find out who you are. And you, she gets to find out who you are. She may not like who you are. He says, I'm just telling you before you go that sometimes it's good to have television and telephone and, you know, uh, and communications, you know, because uh, he, he was being very real. So what I learned from that, what I learned from that, go to the base medrash and disconnect from the world and find out who you are. You may not like what you find. Good. If you don't like what you find, you'll fix it. But you've got to find out who you are. That's what I'm talking about in this Chaburah. You gotta know Bain Toiv Lura. You gotta know the difference between Toiv and Ra. Not to mix the two. Therefore, my answer to my first question, the reason that on the first day, Hashem said, Vayarki Toiv, it's good. Because on the first day, He separated them. He separated dark and light. He gave the ability in the world to know the difference between what's wrong and what's right. And knowing the difference between what's wrong and what's right is the greatest gift that we can have. That is Tomim. And that is what we need to work on. We need everyone in this room, don't be scared. Go to Yeshiva, try it. Any Yeshiva you want, one hour, Sunday morning or whenever it is, and just sit there by yourself. Take any safer, learn it, don't learn it. And just turn off your phone. Yeah, you have to hold your breath for an hour. If someone might be calling you and you're going to save the world, but you're not going to answer because your phone is off. I know everyone thinks that. But my mother, but the, that, 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 that. You know what? I live in the old generation when there were no phones. Believe it or not. And, and I lived. I made it. I had a business. I had parents. I'm alive. I'm still here. Turn off your phone for one hour and find out who you are. And you may not like what you find. But you know what? You'll be able to fix it. Because the biggest present is, what is Kitoiv? To know the difference between good and bad. The biggest problem I find dealing with kids is that they answer me back. They never say to me, if I say, you're doing something very wrong, if they would say to me, you're right, I like it, I'm not stopping. I would say, cool, this kid will come back. But when I tell somebody you're doing something wrong and he comes back at me, but, 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 but you don't understand, but, 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 but you're old, but, 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 but. I'm like, I'm not wasting my time. This summer, you know, I spent a lot of time talking. And when the guys are just answering me back, like, you know, with answers, and all of a sudden they're getting deep. 
right? I'm in the middle of a house and everyone's doing every affair in the world. And these guys give me deep psychology thinking into that. I'm like, forget it. Forget it. I mean, he's smoking pot and doing every Aveira, and he's telling me, show me the Torah where it says you can't. Show me, show me where it says pot in the Torah. Show me, show me the word pot. So I'm like, okay, so, so does this guy know that he's doing something wrong? He's walking around, right? I'm going to kill Kyan because he's arguing with me. So what, what, am, I, what am I dealing with? So uh, you want me to show you the Torah where it says pot? You know it doesn't say anything with the word pot in the Torah. So you already made an excuse. You're ready. It's already, it's already, you don't know Ben Torah. Have a nice day. I'm not talking to you. I'm wasting my time. So I think the first, that's why I'm giving this Chaburah. I think the first Chaburah before I start this year, before we start talking about all the things I'm going to talk about, is the first thing you need to know is this is good and this is bad and I'm not mixing the two. I may not be good. I may, I may do every Avera tonight. But I know that I'm doing that Avera. You'll change. Otherwise, you'll go the way of the destruction of the whole world. Because a Kush Baruch when a person steals less than a Shavu Pruta and he beats the system, Hashem closes down the system. He closes down the whole system. Sodom, he closed down the whole system. You want to just, just how, 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 how messed up Sodom was and how they made it right. So if you, so what was the punishment for a person who gave tzedakah in Sodom? You know the punishment? A poor person came to Sodom. How did they punish him for collecting money? If they caught him, they would put him in a bed. If he was tall, they would put him in a short bed. They'd cut his legs off. They'd cut his legs off to size him to the bed. They'd cut him off until he would bleed to death. If he was short... They'd put him in a big bed. They'd stretch him that all his bones would get pulled out, his neck and everything, and that would kill him. Now, Eliezer, Avram's servant, came to Sadaim and said, I hear you, you screwed up, uh, you know, thoughts on, on, on Sadaqah and everything, but what's up with this? Guy comes, a poor guy, you cut his legs off, or you stretch him out? And he said, what are you talking about? He's not happy with what Hashem gave him. He thinks... That, he's, that what Hashem gave him is not what he's supposed to have. So, what about his height? He didn't get money. He wants money. Well, he's only five feet. That's not fair either. We got guys who are six feet, eight feet. Let's stretch him. The same psychology. And the other guy, he's this tall. Maybe Hashem should have made him this short. Let's cut off his legs. That's how screwed up they were. They could cut off your legs and, and say that they were doing a mitzvah. And the medrash ends... And every guy in your life, you can go into Saddam because we're all in Saddam. Every guy in your life, you think about that various you do and how you make them kosher. It's just as messed up as Saddam. It's just as messed up. It's no different. In your psychology, every one of us in our Avera, we have a reason why it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to talk to this girl. I'm helping her. I love the new, the new line, how guys get girls today. It's the new line. The new line is, since I met you, I'm getting from her. <laughs> And they fall for it. It's the line. That's it. They walk around and they're like, I'm holy. I made this boy from. Ah, you're doing every Avera with the boy. I know, but he never used to put on Tillman. And so we did a big Avera tonight, but tomorrow he's putting on Tillman. You know why? Because of me. And they walk around, they're very happy. And the guys know that's the best sell. Oh, it's the best sell. They're walking around, the big Tadekistan. And the guy will call the next morning. You know, I really like you because of you. I'm getting from. I'm doing every Avera with you, but I'm getting from and they're walking around. This is the disease. This is so every Avera we do, you go into your Saddam. We all have our own Saddam. You go into your Saddam, find out what your excuse is, how you made it kosher. Whatever you're doing, how you made it kosher, and say to you know what, after tonight's share, I'll take the first day of creation. I'm, I'm gonna learn the difference between good and bad. And 
I'm going to come back. I'm coming back. But I'm not going to walk around saying that. So, so let me just let me just finish. So, so Eliezer walks into Sodom, right? This guy comes over to him, takes a rock, smacks him in the forehead. He's gushing blood. He's Avram. He came to see light, right? He's, he's Avram's servant. He's gushing blood. The police come, they arrest him, and they bring him to court. Now Eliezer's gushing blood. It's a nerd, it's a medrash. He's gushing blood. And, and why is, he says to the police, why are you bring me to court? They said, you owe the man who hit you. He said, excuse me? You owe the man who hit you. Oh, the man who hit me? The man who hit me owes me. They said, no, not in Saddam. You see, in those days, when you went to the doctor, they only had one medicine. What did they do? It's called bloodletting. They took leeches, they put it on you, and it took your blood pressure down. When it took your blood pressure, that's what they used to do. It would make you feel good. They do it now. They started with this. There's new doctors now that use leeches to make you feel better now also. But that was in the times of those times. That's what they used. So he went, and he said, we saved you from going to the doctor. Normally, you have to pay $100 to go to the doctor to let blood. This guy hit you in the head, and you're bleeding, so you have to pay him $100. You hear? Sadiqim. But you hear? You're laughing. But this was their... If you told them that, that you could take a kid and kill him, and that there's, there's a group of, of pro-abortionists that say that you could take a child in the fifth month, and how do you get the child out of the woman's womb in the fifth month? You go in and you cut him into pieces, and you pull out the pieces, right? The pro-abortion people, if you told that to Saddam, they would tell you, that's much worse than us. And they're walking around saying, it's American law, freedom, right? They feel there's nothing wrong with it. Just the opposite. And the police protect them. That Khastrashan, the pro-lifer, shouldn't throw something at them. So our police are protecting them. It's right. It's, it, where's Saddam also? It's no different. It's no different going into w- 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 looking at all this stuff and calling it art. It's the same thing. It's no different. So, so here he is, Eliezer, standing there, gushing blood, and they want 100 bucks from him. So what does he do? It's a beautiful measure. I love this measure. He picks up a rock, and he fires it at the judge. Now the judge is gushing. He says to the judge, now you owe me $100, so instead of paying me, you pay him. <laughs> Listen, Eliezer was working for Avram Avinu, you understand? That was the Beferish Medrash, right? It's the Yiddish Shekhar. It wasn't a Yiddish, but... So, so what I'm trying to tell you is how corrupt you can get in yourself, how corrupt a person can get in himself to make excuses for doing the wrong thing. So what we need to learn from tonight is to go back to the first day of creation before the eight Sadas, before the Toiv and Ra got mixed together, before the Yetzirah came inside, to go back to the first day when they were totally two separate things, and in ourselves to separate those entities, to separate the dark and to separate the light. And if we do that, we'll bring the light, the light of Mashiach, which is a pure light, which has no mixture of darkness in it. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.